Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the five words that the Jewish people recite prophetically about the Lord Jesus Christ every Yom Kippur. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. And who are they? Those are the Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very small remnant. Abraham looked at those kids and he said, you know, as long as they're under my roof, I'm going to love them, I'm going to teach them, I'm going to command them. It's a very small remnant of Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's keeping the whole land of Israel from being destroyed. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue in our Genesis series teaching every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. In Ezekiel 33, 11, he goes on to then say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, why will ye die? O house of Israel, turn ye from your evil ways. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 15, 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. That's God's page. That's what God loves. It's not the destruction of sinners. It's not the destruction of the earth. It's the saving. Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we saw the two seeds. God sees the devil's seeds. We saw last week, God's seed is beginning to blossom now with the birth of Seth. And that his first son, Enos, which means weak or frail or mortal, and then started the great practice on calling on the name of the Lord. And that's a picture of what will happen to the people of Israel, to the nation of Israel, because we're not far from it. Dark clouds are gathering now over Israel. And as the storm breaks, Israel will begin to see themselves more and more as a frail, weak, and mortal people, especially as they begin to realize that their big friend, the United States, is a fair-weather friend. And God knows that no one, including the people of Israel, is going to call on his name unless they see themselves as enos, unless they see themselves as weak and mortal and frail. And this has always been a problem for the Jewish people as a whole. The pride, the winning of 20% of the Nobel Prizes by 0.2% of the world's population. And God knew, and Moses knew, that this was going to be a problem. Because God blesses the Jewish people, and the Jewish people create credit, and then they become proud. And so God, through Moses, taught the Jewish people to say a phrase... He says, when you come before God, you've got to humble yourself. So Moses says, I want you to, when you stand before God, just say this phrase. And the phrase is in Deuteronomy 26, 5. And Moses taught the people, and he said this, And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father. That's something. <laughs> A Syrian of all people. Anyway, a Syrian this close to perishing, to just being wiped out, that was my father. And he says, if you say that, you will put yourself in the position of Enosh. 
you will perceive yourself to be mortal, to be frail, to be weak. And he says, and he went down into Egypt, and he sojourned there with a few, and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. Why? By the hand of God. So, God knows, if Israel doesn't see themselves as in us, weak and frail, that they're going to be stuck in the rut of Revelation 3.17. The rut of, knowest thou not, that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. And God knows that once the pride is broken, and they see themselves for how they are, that they'll get out of the rut, and they'll get onto the road of Revelation 3.20, where they hear my voice, open the door, I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. And today, Israel's starting to look down the barrel of Iran's nuclear program, Iran's nuclear weapons. And they're talking about a Samson strategy, where we may get destroyed like Samson, but we'll kill more of them than they'll kill of us. What's happening here? He's beginning, the process is beginning to cleanse Israel from its pride by bringing all the nations against Jerusalem, as he said in Zechariah 14 too, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished or raped and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. In this battle, Israel sees themselves as in us and it's so great that two-thirds, twice as many, as Hitler killed, two-thirds of the Jewish people are killed and die, as it says in Zechariah 13, and it shall come to pass, that in all Israel, saith the Lord, two parts shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And those that are left will see their houses desolate. They'll see it's stripped. And what's going to happen? They'll call on the name of the Lord. To save them is what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 23, 37, when he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chicks, chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Then the Lord Jesus Christ is going to fight for them, as it says in Zechariah 14, 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And in Zechariah 13, 9, he says, And I will bring the third part through the fire. He shall purify the sons of Levi, it says. He'll bring them through the fire and will refine them as silver as we find them, try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name. They'll call on the name of the Lord. And I will hear them. And I will say, it's my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. And then comes the time when the people of Israel get to know their God. He said, these are my people. He says, let's get to know him. And someone notices something strange in his hands. And in Zechariah 13, 6, and one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thine hands? And then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And then they'll realize that their God, who just saved them from their enemies, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to see that and know that. And that's going to be the greatest, oh no, what have we done moment in history. And then it says in Zechariah 12, 10, I will pour on the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They'll want to pray. And they shall look upon me who may have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one is bitterness for his firstborn. And the Jewish people 
would be swallowed up in grief at that time and sorrow. But immediately, Zechariah 13.1 says, in that day, in that very day, he says, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And they say, we pierced him. They shall look on him whom they have pierced. Tonight's Rosh Hashanah. In a week will come Yom Kippur. Many Jewish people will go to synagogue. And the cantor, a rabbi, will lead them in reciting five words. The first word, ashamnu. What does it mean? We are guilty. The second word, bagadnu. We have betrayed. The third word, gazalnu. We have stolen. The fourth word, dibarnu. We have lied. And the fifth word, dofi. We have slandered. Those five words have been said from generation to generation, year by year, on Yom Kippur. But those five words, when they are respoken in Zechariah 12.10, when they look on him whom they have pierced, they'll all of a sudden have a new meaning that they never had before because they'll say, Ashamnu, we are guilty of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bagad knew we have betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ into the hands of Romans. Gazal knew we have stolen the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ by not giving him credit for what he has done for us. Dibar knew we have lied when we denied our Lord Jesus Christ when we've said we have no king but Caesar. And Dophi, we have slandered the Lord Jesus Christ by not saying Yeshua, but Yeshu, which is an acronym that means may his name be blotted out forever. We've slandered him. And those five words, which are going to be repeated again in just a week by so many Jews as they go to synagogue, will then have their real meaning for them as the people who are left come out of darkness into his light. Now, we saw last week that the devil's seed is best described, and you might want to turn to that, in Ephesians 2.12. Because there in Ephesians 2.12, there's a very good description about the issue with the devil's seed and God's seed. Because what it says in Ephesians 2.12 is that at that time, ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the best verse description to describe the devil's seed. Without God in the world. Without God, aliens, strangers, no hope. Without God in the world. And the devil's seed just wants it that way, have we seen? They just would like to have it that way. Like so much from Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham Lotz, she couldn't have described that desire to be without God better when she was on Larry King and she was asked the question, where was God on 9-11? And she responded, you know, we've turned our back on God in a way. Oh, we have a little phrase, God bless America, and it's everywhere, and that's refreshing. But really, since 1963, we have, as a nation, basically told God to get out of our schools. We've told them to get out of our marketplace. We've told them to get out of our businesses. We've told them to get out of our government. We told him it's all right if he stays in the churches and the synagogues, but we want him off the streets. That's what she told him. And so God being the gentleman that he is, he left. That's where God was on 9-11, right where we asked him to be, out of our lives, without God in the world. 
But notice how this verse says that we all were that. It says that we were all born as part of the devil's seed. Our response to whether or not we would know the God of our fathers, that we would serve him, surrender, and receive his sacrifice, that makes us part of God's seed. But to be part of God's seed does not come from birth. And that explains how an Adam and Eve could have a Cain. That explains how an Abraham could have an Ishmael that mocked Isaac as God's promised son. That explains how Isaac could have an Esau who despised the birthright that gave him God's promises. And that explains why it's wrong to say the Jews don't go to hell. That's what many Jews say. Hell is a Gentile thing. Only Gentiles go to hell. Jews all go to heaven because they're born Jews. Because the Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear in John 8, portions of that, John 8, 33-44, when they said, we be Abraham's seed. That word in the Greek is sperma. We be Abraham's genetic offspring. And the Lord Jesus Christ had no contest with that. In verse 37 of 8, John 8, he said, I know that you are Abraham's seed or sperma. I know that you are Abraham's genetic offspring, but you seek to kill me. Because my word hath no place in you, I speak that which I have seen with my father. You do that which you have seen with your father. We have the issue of my father, your father here. And they answered and said, Abraham is our father. And he didn't agree. And he said, if you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that I've told you the truth, which I have heard of this. This did not Abraham. You do the works of your father. And then he went on to say, you, in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and there is no truth in him, etc. So there was no contest with the fact that those Jewish people, the religious rulers at that time, were genetically Jewish. They'd done a DNA test. They'd say, yep, we can trace them all the way back. The map of Jerusalem being all over their faces. They were Jewish. You could tell, look at them and tell. But the Lord Jesus Christ was Jewish also. And so they looked the same. But even though they were Jewish, even though they were Abraham's seed, they were not God's seed. They were the devil's seed because they were doing the works of their father. You know how you tell God's seed? As a little kid, it was God's seed. Say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just like God. Tom, today you talked about how these leaders of the Jewish people were not going to heaven. That's incredible. The Jewish people are called God's people, and these people were Jewish. So how can these Jewish people of God not go to heaven? You know, that is the point that the rabbis emphasize wrongly uh, when they say hell is something for the Gentiles, and uh, hell does not apply to Jewish people because all Jewish people just automatically go to heaven, and it's only the Gentiles. Some Gentiles go to hell anyways. They just make it all very, very... What they're really saying there is that if you're Jewish, you don't have to be concerned about this issue of going to hell because that's just the Gentiles made that up. That Nothing could be farther from the truth as far as the Bible is concerned. And that shows a great, great error. Because what's happening here with these Jewish people who are arguing with the Lord is very, very important. Even though this happened 2,000 years ago, the issue has not changed since then. Because what they're doing is they're arguing the birthright. The birthright. And the scripture is very, very clear that when it comes to birth, there are two births. There is the physical birth, which, of course, we've all experienced, 
And there is the second birth, referred to in the Bible as being born again, which is a spiritual birth. And the two have nothing to do with each other. The second birth occurs when a person makes a decision, when a person is like the prodigal son, and he says, he comes to himself, he says within himself, what a fool I've been and what a mess of my life I've made, and I'll return to God because I believe in his goodness. I'll confess to him that I'm a sinner. I'll tell him that I am so sorry for being defiant in my life to him and being a rebel against him. And I'll take his sacrifice, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved from my sins by God's way. See, when a person does that, that's the grand decision. And God has promised that when a person makes that grand decision— that God will make him to be born a second time. That's the spiritual birthright. And the spiritual birthright makes a person of the seed of God or God's son because he's been born the second time. The first birth has nothing to do with it. And where these people have gone wrong is they've said, look, we've had the first birth. We are circumcised. We've been born Jewish. You know, we got color us Jewish. We're Jewish. We're born Jewish. Our mother was Jewish. Our father was Jewish. Therefore, we're Jewish. Therefore, we're the people of God. Therefore, we're going to heaven. No, because it's arguing the first birthright, and there is no first birthright. If you want to put it this way, the only right that the first birth gives us is the ticket to hell, because all have sinned, and we've been born under the disease of sin. And as David, King David said, in sin did my mother conceive me, and therefore I am in sin, because with the, the sin of our original father, Adam— passed on to all the human race, and if you're a son of Adam, and of course we all are, then we are stuck with the disease that passed on with him, which is the sinful nature. That's the sinful nature. I'm only human. That's right. That's another another way of saying I'm only sinful. That's the first birth. But the second birth is altogether different, and that gives the person the the right or the authority to be called the sons of God because they have received the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where people go way astray is when they start saying, you know, I got the first birth and uh, as a Jewish person, so therefore I'm going to heaven. This was so much an issue that in the life of John the Baptist, when he saw all these Jewish people coming to him, and he could tell there's no repentance in them. There's no I've messed up my life in them. There's no I've made a mess of my life. There's no I'm so sorry to God. There's no I've just done everything wrong. There's no I'm not worthy to be called a part of the people of God. When they didn't have any of that, which is called repentance, when they didn't have any of that, and John the Baptist by God's discernment, the discernment of God that he gave to him, he understood that instead they were saying within themselves, in this particular case when they were arguing with the Lord, they didn't only say it within themselves, they actually said it. But in Matthew 3, 9, it's when John the Baptist is addressing these people with this problem, he said, 
think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. So in other words, John the Baptist, really inspired by God, said, you have a problem. And what is the problem? You are speaking. You are not speaking audibly. You are saying within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. What's that mean? It means their confidence was coming from a, like a mantra, like they were continually saying to themselves, we have Abraham to our father, we are Jewish, look how different we are, etc., etc. It's not easy to be a Jewish person, and we have Abraham to our father. We got the ticket, we got the free ticket into he- heaven because we have Abraham to our father. See? And when John the Baptist realized that they were saying that, therefore, he said, I'm going to put my finger right now on the reason why you are not coming God's way to God. God's way to God is to come to him broken, acknowledging your sin, to come to God and to say you're sorry, to come to God and say you've been wrong. That's God's way. It's called the way of repentance. And John the Baptist was preparing the people when he says, making a way, making a way for God to come into their lives. And how do you make a way for God to come in your life? Because God comes into your life when he sees the way that you have made. You've paved the way for God to come by your repentance, that you made the road for God to come, and it's called the road of your own repentance, And when God sees that, he has compassion. He opens up. He goes to save. But when there's no road of repentance, there's pride and there's arrogance. And God says that he resists the proud. He resists the arrogant. There's no way that God is coming to that person. He's resisting, you see. And when these people have this pride and this arrogance over their birth, because that's what it means when they say, we have Abraham to our father. It's like they've got a sign around themselves saying, we have Abraham to our father. We have Abraham to our father. And John the Baptist says, you've got pride. And every person in hell today has one problem, P-R-I-D-E. That's the reason they're in hell. And that because God, the ultimate resistance that God gives to any person is to cast that person into hell and to say, I never knew you. And to resist God, to have pride against God and say, I got nothing to apologize to God for. I'm pretty good. I'm not as good as others, but I'm not as bad as some others as well. But I'm good enough. See, that's pride. And God says, you take that position and you've bought yourself the the ticket to hell. And so God says through John the Baptist, don't come with the pride of your first birth thinking, well, just because I'm Jewish, I have Abraham to my father. Don't come that way. Because he says, John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, 9, I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What was he saying? He was saying, you want to take pride? In something, you've got about as much to take pride in as these stones do that you're walking on. Because these stones that you're walking on, God is able to raise up children unto Abraham. So, in other words, God's saying, no big deal. Nothing to get excited about that you have Abraham to your father. You have Abraham to your physical father. You've shamed Abraham. 
Because when Abraham looks at you, Abraham says, oh, that's not my son. I would never do those things. I would never do those things at all because Abraham loved the Lord Jesus Christ, who he knew as Jehovah Jesus. Jehovah, he knew him as Jehovah. We say Jehovah Jesus. That means that we acknowledge that Abraham knew the Lord Jesus Christ as Jehovah, so we call him Jehovah Jesus. So we say, okay, he says, uh, he says Abraham loved the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were the children of Abraham, you would be flocking to me, loving me like Abraham did. And then the people would look and say, oh, look, he's just like Abraham. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way to heaven, is to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him in repentance and receive him as Lord and Savior, as Abraham did. Thank you for joining us today. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a free gospel gift or have one sent to them for free? Well, Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor can help you to do that. You just need to call us directly by phone at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. And we can help you to fulfill God's command to go to the lost nation of Jewish people first with the gospel. Now, many of us know a Jewish person, whether it's a lawyer, doctor, businessman, friend, neighbor, coworker, or acquaintance. They need to be reached by the gospel, not by a missionary, but by you. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. We can get a copy of Tom Cantor's DVD into your hands, as well as his testimony booklet, so that you can reach a lost Jewish person. This is a great resource to reach lost Jewish people with. It's also great for any Gentile. So call us today, 1-800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to order any of Tom's materials.